Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to introduce to the Backseat Driver Radio Show a fine young fellow from the northeast, a chap called Brad Hoy. Brad, welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity to speak. Now, you have, it's quite an unusual thing, you've the Castle 3 Motor Company Limited, you've uh, Castle 3 Hire. Um, wh- wh- where did all this passion for cars come from to start with? Well, I've, I've always been interested in cars since, since I was a kid. And, um, you know, over, the, over my lifetime, I had, had some cars and uh, often the uh, points on my driving license to go with it. So <laughs> as, as time went on, I got more interested in classic cars because you, you, could, you could have uh, the thrill without the, the risk of using, losing your license so much. And um, so, you know, I, I was just into sort of MGs and that, that sort of stuff, affordable stuff. But I think... Like most people, my head was turned when Morgan reintroduced the uh, the Morgan three wheeler. Must have been what 2012 or so. Yeah, 2011, 2012, and uh, you know that really captured my imagination because it it just looked like uh, you know going back to the roots of of, of motoring. I mean, they're a fantastic. They are they are a fascinating car if you look into the history of the Morgans and the three wheelers. Uh, and it, in many ways, it was a. I thought it was a, a brave move to bring it back because it was a an unknown quantity. Would people want to buy a three wheeler Morgan with what was inherently a Harley Davidson engine stuck up front? No, that, that's right, and that was you know part of the the drive to for me to set up Castle Three in in the first place is that. You know, obviously Morgan is is known for his British heritage, but when you looked at the car, you know it was a basically an SNS Harley Davidson engine strapped to the front, as you say, linked to a, an MX5 uh, gearbox. So you know, although it's still a lot of fun, I, I, and I got the impression that they perhaps put it together in a in a hurry, shall we say? And um, you know, I, I I own one of those cars today, and and seeing its reliability and the reliability. Now, before we pro- before we progress on, besides that you're hiring that car out, you also have a rather nice Series Three Land Rover that you hire out. No, no absolutely. So that that was a car I just acquired th- th- this summer. You know, I think um, uh, again they're coming back into vogue a bit, um, and the younger generation are liking to drive around and that thing. It's a um, uh, you know it's it's a, a canvas top, so you know you can. I mean, the ironic thing is, uh, you look at the new Defender, and I have—I was on the launch of the new Defender, and though there's inherently nothing wrong with it, uh, as I said to a friend of mine, or two friends of mine who run what I call proper Land Rovers, I said, the, the real Land Rover has nothing to fear from the new Defender. I said, it is not a modern take on it. I said, it's a, I said, it's a, in my opinion, it's a, it's a warmed up disco too. I said, so the real Land the real Land Rover, since Land Rover discontinued them, they've done them a favour. The popularity of them and the value of them has absolutely soared. No, absolutely. I mean, they, they were iconic and, you know, we've seen pictures of these things in deserts and off top of mountains and God knows where, you know, from the, from the 50s and 60s, which it sort of evoked that, that sort of uh, romantic 
era of uh, discovery and what have you. But you know, you're right. You know, coming coming out with a modern looking um, you know supermarket dash car does <laughs> go against the, uh, the brand a little bit. But uh, you know, I think that's that's just, that's the case with a lot of motors uh, these days. And I, you know, I think that's a good thing in so much as. The younger generations, therefore, still have an interest in you know older vehicles and driving them and getting the true sensation of driving. Yeah. Now to return to the Morgans, it's interesting that uh, your experience with the new Morgan three wheeler uh, prompted you to decide to build your own three wheelers. Hence, the Castle Three Motor Company Limited. I mean, how did how what made you buy a Morgan then think I'll buy, I'll build my own? Well, as I said, when it was launched back in 2012, I, um, I probably took myself down to our local Morgan dealer and went out for a, for a test drive. And I was I was impressed with the experience, but I wasn't overly impressed with the price, to be honest. And that was, <laughs> that was when it first came out. You know, you could probably add another ten or fifteen thousand pounds for that today to what they, you know what they were launched at. Yeah. Um, so I thought to myself, well, I'll, I looked at, and by that time I, I sort of had the bug, the sort of open air three wheeler bug, just everything that went with it. I, you know, I've never driven motorcycles. I don't have a motorcycle motorcycle license, but I always wanted to, and I felt that it was probably as close to that experience as I could get with a car license and without, you know, killing myself too quickly. Yeah. So, you know, I looked at who else was making them and kit manufacturers and all the rest, the rest of it, and everywhere I went. There was there was waiting lists, you know, twelve and eighteen month waiting lists for for kits or, or any, you know anything else, you know, uh, people like Triking uh, and and others were you know all had long waiting lists. So oh. I thought there was obviously a demand for this this sort of thing, uh, you know, particularly uh, well priced and well designed. So I thought so, and uh, you know I, I don't have an automotive experience or an engineering experience. I have worked in. In business, most of my work in life, but um, I thought, well, you know, if you, if, if you can't beat them, join them. I wonder if it's worth trying to raise some money uh, to pull a little company together uh, with, uh, you know, a collection of like-minded people with with a view to building something um, that could compete with all these all these um, that are out there, including the Morgan. But uh, you know, make it, you know, meet the demand that's there. So um, you know, crowdfunding was in, in vogue at about the same time since the sort of 2013. And I launched a campaign on Crowdcube, which was is, is like a platform for, for crowdfunding. And, and that was fully funded. Yeah. You know, that, that was, that, that was uh, at the time, I was looking for sort of £300,000 or so to set up a, a full-blown uh, company that could produce a, um, that could produce a prototype and, uh, you know, ultimately get into a factory and all the rest of it. But unfortunately, we were unsuccessful with that. A lot of people did come forward, but we didn't raise as much money as we hoped. So we, we, we trimmed it back and ended up pulling together a modest amount of money. And those people who were prepared to put the money in still wanted to go ahead with the project. I mean, it, it increased the risk a lot higher as well as the timeline because trying to pull that together on, on such a small budget and virtually, if you like, in terms of without a factory... And using um, external um, supplies in terms of uh, you know build and and all the rest of it uh, obviously made the the, the the project a lot more problematic. Uh, because so, uh, I mean, one of the other well-known three-wheeler companies is Pembleton, and I mean they they seem to do all right as what you might call a virtual cottage industry in their own way. No, and 
I, you know, I have a lot of respect for those guys, and I would actually say that since um, since you know I started um, Castle Three back in 2013, that they've probably gone a good way to fill the gap. Yeah, you know that I was looking to fill because they were at the time sort of offering strange-looking two CV-based kits, um, and you know you still see them around, and they, they have a, they have a good following, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. But uh, if, you, if you look at what they produce now and their latest version of it, um, and it's probably around the price that the Morgan three-wheeler was when it first came out, sort of twenty-five or so. It yeah. seems to me that they have a, a great little package there, and it gets it gets it gets uh, a great write-up. But you know, I always think that these, um, you know, I used to get a lot of questions when we were trying to raise the money in terms of competition. But I, I don't think I, I see all these products as complementary. Yeah, you know, we you know we don't have one BMW. We have BMW or Audi or Jaguar. You have those choice, um, and uh, each one feeds off the other. Each one has a slight different following. So um, I don't see any of these people as, as competitors necessarily in their own right. Not least because a lot of these vehicles have you know very enthusiastic following. So I mean, does does a does a Castle Three exist? Is there a prototype? And if so, I mean, who de- who designed the, the the shall we say the prototype? Yeah, well, and initially it was um, a, a, a student called Charlie Purvis from Newcastle University who was at the automotive design um, degree course there, and uh, he, he was a, a friend of my son's. And also, he had a, a common at a local Northumberland-based uh, motorcycle design company, which unfortunately is no longer in, in existence. And um, he took it on as a sort of uh, intern project, and he, he came out with some, uh, you know, really really nice designs. And I used those renders as, as you know in the business plan to raise money for the, um, uh, you know, for the company in the first place. Yeah. We then, as ever, you know turning that into reality on a tight budget became more complicated so it, the the car that we have yes we do have a running car it's not registered for the road as yet and it still needs some work to get it roadworthy um and it's as much to in, to test the components and the setup and the engine uh, as, as anything else so it, you know right now it's um it's not the best looking thing in the world but it runs <laughs> it, it's a it's a bit of a mule so i you know i think um it, it's there but it needs it needs money to complete it, and hence the hire business. Yeah, uh, you know we, we we sharp burn through the money that we we raise crowdfunding, and I've put a lot of probably too much of my own money into it. So it's a case of how can I raise you know make some money to plow back into the business, and uh, the thought of owning cars and hiring them out uh, to do that you know seemed fairly risk free, because you've always got the value of the cars to fall back on. Um, so that's that's the, uh, the that's you know. The nemesis of the, the higher business to bolt onto the side is to um, is to shun that and yeah. try to get a thing complete. So the actual the Castle Three. I mean, what 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 engine is in this? I mean, how far of shall we say? I know it's a mule and everything else. And mules never do look good. I've seen plenty of uh, no, no, no. prototypes in my time. But yeah. um, I mean, is the engine that you've put in it the engine that you would like to put in the production cars, or else is it just something you've dropped in to give it power? Yes, it's that. It's it's just a, a Honda 650 uh, Deville engine. We took the decision uh, fairly early on to 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 mount the engine in inside rather than internally. Although I do like the external up front look, like the Morgan three wheeler. Um, 
um, it does limit you in terms of um, in, in terms of power unit. You know, to, to have a nice V twin, there's only so many out of them out there, and a lot of them are quite expensive. Yeah. So um, we took we took the engine into a you know a regular bonnet, a bit like the Morgan F type. Yeah. Or you know the BSA three wheeler. You know. And, yeah. Um, well, I mean, just putting a lot of the Morgan three wheelers. When you look at them back in the twenties and thirties, a lot of them actually had what you would call an internal engine. There was only certain of them had the uh, the japs etc. mounted right at the front where you could see them. No, exactly, exactly. So you know there was that that tradition, and you know I made it to say that when I said looking to set the company up, I was looking at three wheeler companies that were around. Back in the day, you know, these, these these vehicles were very popular either side of the First World War. Yeah, and I did a lot. I did a lot of research of companies that around at the time that made three wheelers. And um, I mean, obviously, some of them like BSA. The names did exist. You can't, you know, you couldn't consider taking that on. But um, I, I, I came across Castle Three, which were originally in Kidderminster, and ran a, uh, and and made um, three wheelers. But like a most, a lot of those companies at the time just after the war you know couldn't survive and, and collapse so i resurrected that name and the uh, the castle threes that were made it were of that structure as well they had in they had an internal um engine you know it wasn't it wasn't up front like like the morgan so there was a certain amount of um you know keeping with the tradition of the original company as well there that, that, that forces but we thought if we go into production it's more likely to be on a bespoke basis where people specify the car they want yeah and with within reason you know if, if you can choose the engine you know in the same way as a caterham i suppose yeah you, you've got pretty much the same layout but you you can have you know something tiny in there or something significant that, that makes the whole thing very interesting yeah uh, i mean just out of interest does it does, do any original castle threes eggs still exist yeah they do there's there's a few in ownership and i think i've never i've never been there to see it but i think in the um in, in Kidderminster, I think that has a, a Castle Three, and I think maybe the Castle Four as well. But they they had a very short um, time building four wheel cars as well, but not not as many. I think that was about the time the company collapsed. Yeah. But, I mean, you only have to look, with all what's going on with the plague, um, and I'm involved with vintage and historic cars, courtesy of a good friend of mine. Um, it's interesting that the French cycle cars, many of which are, shall we say, along the same lines, even down to the fact the guy who's actually steering it and driving it sits behind the passenger because they're two-seaters. There is a sudden resurgence in these, what you would call, motorcycle-based cars because ultimately the Morgan three-wheeler is interesting. If you put just the driver in, it competes as a motorcycle. If you put a passenger in, it competes as a motorbike and sidecar. They can actually yes. compete competitively in a whole host of classes dependent on how many people are sat in them no that's right and i think that's you know part of the, the popularity and um it, you know i think i think um in my own mind at least i, I don't make distinction between uh, you know three and four wheels when it, when it comes to that sort of vehicle from from a, a modern day production perspective it gets a little bit more difficult because obviously going into, into my understanding of the regulations going into the sort of four-wheel production is quite complex you know something you're you're a car whereas the regulations relating to mo motorcycles aren't as bad uh you know you don't have to have airbags and crumple zones and yeah. that sort of stuff um and so it's it's slightly easier to build from scratch uh in terms of regulations um 
that said, the, the Castle 3 that we have now, the prototype, it hasn't been through uh, a, a vehicle association test yet. So we, <laughs> type, type, of, type approval, as they refer to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it won't be type approval, I don't think, but at least as a single vehicle, you know, as a one-off, if you want to get off the road, it's going to have to, uh, on the road to test drive. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I think we'll find a test track in the first instance to take it on without, so it doesn't have to be the road registered. So, to the, the, shall we say to the bones of the vehicle? Is it built on a chassis? And I mean, what have you used to construct the bodywork? All right. So yes, it's um, it's a ladder chassis, but we we've got a tubular sort of space frame um, around that on that sits on top of that, and then it's clad in uh, aluminium. All right. Good. So, yeah, so quite traditional in in that. Uh, uh, you know, front, we wanted to stick with tradition, didn't really want to go down the GRP front or anything like that. Yeah. And also, it's rear-wheel drive. Um, you know, a lot of people like the Pendleton because it's it's front-wheel drive and it's certainly a lot easier to make and there's a lot, there are a lot of benefits from that. Yeah. But a lot of, a lot of traditionalists um, like the rear-wheel drive, perhaps not so much when they find themselves facing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, you know that's um, you know that's that's all part of the mix. You know, it's all I'm, what I was saying earlier in terms of the complementarity of these companies that are out there rather than the competition. Yeah, I mean, one vehicle I was involved with as regards a little bit of promotion and things like that was the Polaris Slingshot, which oh, yeah. follows the same route. I mean, the benefit of like the Morgan three wheelers and the Pembletons is it's two wheels at the front, one at the back. Uh, and everybody everybody takes the mick out of Reliance and things like that. I had a young lad on a few weeks ago, Lewis Buchan, who restores Reliance. Um, I think the thing is with three-wheelers, though the Polaris slingshot, it was too futuristic to be popular in England. It was also too damned expensive to be popular in England, but it had 2.4-litre four-cylinder sat up front. So, for, shall we say, from the bulkhead forward, it was a, a modern car. The one thing about three wheelers is, especially two at the front, one at the back, you have got to come up with a new driving style. I thoroughly enjoy driving them, but it is, you cannot drive them like a normal car. There's a, a different way of driving these vehicles, and that's part of the fun of them. Yes, you know, exactly. I mean, and arguably it is more genuine because, you know, you've got one wheel at the back of driving, gives you more control than two split from a differential you could argue you know a, a lot of traditionalists wouldn't uh, wouldn't agree with that necessarily but if you think uh, yeah it's more true to the, true to the dynamics of driving they have one driven wheel at the back uh, than two but uh, yeah but at the same time you do get a lot of people say that you know they didn't even realize they were in a three-wheeler yeah it, they didn't get any sense of uh, of that you know once you're looking forward <laughs> You have no idea that there's only one one wheel behind you. I think where people suddenly do realise if they're uh, if you're pressing on down a country road or on a circuit and things like that, that when you're cornering fast, you set them up for the corner and you will pick up or you'll dangle in the air the inside front wheel if you're doing it correctly. That's just before you generally swap ends. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit disconcerting if that happens. And never, I must say, I've, I've seen photographs of that in uh, the old Morgans, but thankfully, I think, never done that uh, in, in the modern day one. Yeah. So, I mean, the Morgan you've got is, it's like you said, it, it, you were inspired by the fact that the Morgan is A, expensive, B, 
and no disrespect to Morgan. I mean, <clears throat> I actually I own a Morgan, but I own a four four one with a wheel at each corner. Um, yeah. But you accept that Morgans are. I mean, the new Morgans have gone all aluminium and everything else, but they're they're now seeking out a different market. They're seeking out the Porsche owner. Uh, yes. But if you drive a traditional Morgan, you do accept that, A, they flex, they twist. I mean, I was out in mine last night, and it, it came on raining hard, so you put the roof up. But and many times, putting the roof up's uh, a bit self-defeating because you still get water inside. Um, the steering is like trying to bend an iron bar at parking speeds. You realise that they have all these inherent faults of cars designed 70 years ago, which you accept. But I think the one thing you found with the more, your new Morgan three-wheeler is, for what it cost, the build wasn't there. No, I mean, I, you know, I do... I, yes, and it's, it, it, I think... Um, I, th I think people can accept all those foibles that you talk about, <laughs> and indeed that is part of part of the charm of the car but you don't want to be breaking down every time you go out on it no or, or don't you know you don't have the confidence to take it on a long trip now you know i i see people take these you know the, the lengths and breadth of new zealand or or whatever people do do long trips on the but they tend to have a support either they have modified the cars themselves and, and understanding entire workings of the car so they, they can work on it on on route if anything goes if, if anything uh, goes wrong or they have a support team and, you know there was a there was a group that took one up to the arctic circle just after it was launched but they had a you know complete morgan squad with them in a van <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you know i think most people do like tinkering on a little bit and that's what i liked about you know the, you know the ngb sort of thing yeah even if you go with the basic knowledge you can tinker i think people do like to tinker but it's it's that confidence thing that that um has has you know sort of uh, knocked my uh, feelings towards the Morgan is that um, do I really want to take it up to the north of Scotland on a long weekend, even if the weather's good? Well, probably not because we you know will we get there? Which is, <laughs> I think is a bit of a shame. You know that, that's. Uh, well, not being funny, you buy you buy a new car, and yes, you do expect a warranty, a two-year warranty, things like that. What you don't expect is to have to uh, employ the services of an entire factory backup crew on them. You know. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So just finding that finding that balance. Now, you know, mine is an early car. You know, my Morgan is a 2012, so it's one of the first. So, yeah. And they have improved greatly since, but you know, this they are still not without their issues. <laughs> um, all the all the Morgan types that I follow on Instagram, you know, you're more likely to see pictures of them on the back of a, a trailer <laughs> than you are. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, it's a bit like with the Castle 3. I think Morgan, as I said, I thought Morgan were brave bringing it out and it, it, it gained instant popularity. Yeah. Um, but it, you would expect on a modern car for them to have actually built into it reliability because the stories you hear on the Morgan three-wheelers, love them as I do, you think, were these too hastily designed and launched? Whereas from yes. what you're saying about the Castle 3, when it does launch, of course, I do hope it does launch, it will have had all its little foibles ironed out. No, that's right, and uh, you know, and at the same time, I'm sure Morgan couldn't afford to take seven years over it, which we've done so far. But um, you know, they wanted to get out in the market, and it didn't help that you know they, there was a lot of hype around it, and they, they created the demand before they could they could really 
fulfil it. But um, so yes, you know that that's that's. I suppose it's a classic case. You, you probably wouldn't start from here, and I'm sure, obviously, Morgan's under. Well, certainly under different ownership and to a certain extent different management now than it was then. Yeah. And I, I've no doubt if they were to do it again, they, they would probably do it a little bit different. Um, you know, as you say, with the, you know, the new architecture that's going into their, into their new four-wheel cars, um, it, you know, it, they are a modern-day manufacturing company with, you know, um, sort of traditional roots. Well, I mean, the one thing that the new Morgan does have compared to mine is actually is, is suspension because if you go out in my 4.4, I mean, you've caught springs at the back. You do have telescopic dampers and you've still got the sliding pillars at the front. And I've always said if you drive over a, a 50 pence piece, you know it, whether it was heads or tails. I mean, <laughs> you, 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 you don't drive a straight line down mod, around the modern roads because what you do is you've got to avoid the potholes. Uh, otherwise, you find the base of your spine starting to uh, come adrift from the rest of your anatomy. But yeah, that's right. And that's another issue with the walk, the three wheeler, of course, is that um, now you've got potholes in the middle of the road. You can't just uh, you can't straddle a. Um, no, you can't avoid them at speed ups. No. Yeah, it all adds to the fun. In our times, I've thought I'd better check. You know, get out and check the chassis cracks after that. Sometimes you do get quite a wallet. Yeah. But to go back to your Land Rover, I mean, your your two hire cars. You say when they're not hired out, do you use them both, or do you park them up and use a modern? No, I, I absolutely use use them myself. Absolutely, I mean that's part of the you know part of the justification, I suppose, is that I mean they're they're, they're, they're two extreme cars um, in terms of you know that they don't have a lot in, in common, but they're both great fun to have, and you know we live near the. the the coast here in Northumberland, and to you know, to use the old Land Rover to take the dog out down to the beach for walks and things like that. On in the summer is just fantastic with the cameras rolled up, and you know it is. It's just a great experience. And um, I mean, you don't go go anywhere fast, of course, but again, it's you know back to what I was saying at the beginning. That's that's kind of part of the charm. Yeah, I mean, want to go back to my Morgan Four Four. I mean, I rarely drive apart from on the motorway where I sit at 60 and 70, uh, it's mine has the 1.8 blacktop Ford ZTEC under its bonnet. It's inherently a vintage Mondeo, but um, I tend to find you don't actually want to drive them fast. Yes, no, ex exactly, yeah. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's just well, it's part of the fun, part of the experience, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. As regards the hire, which is the more popular of the two vehicles? I would say it's probably fifty-fifty, and you know we also we also do a bit of uh, wedding work. Yeah, uh, you know they're quite popular for weddings, and of course the we have a few places here again on the coast that do sort of beach weddings, and uh, I think with the popularity of the Land Rover, a lot of people are sort of looking for that look. Yeah, you know, and the photographs of you know we've just turned up at the beach uh, to get married in you know in the old Series Three Land Rover, but it's part of that tradition I was talking about in terms of the you know the iconic look of the old Land Rover. Yeah. My, I suppose on the weddings getting a bride into the Morgan three wheelie could prove somewhat tricky. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right, but I have, I have seen him do it and uh, it is possible. Yes, but uh, yeah, gentlemen need to look away though. <laughs> 
And I mean, I, I okay, I haven't driven a modern Morgan three wheeler, uh, but a friend of mine has a Series two A Land Rover, and I used to own Series threes and Series three lightweights. Um, they are they're, they're not modern to drive. So if somebody hires them, do you give them a little driving lesson before they go out in either of them? No, absolutely, in, 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 absolutely in both. I mean, it's, it's slightly different. I mean, as you're absolutely right with the, with the Land Rover. You know, <laughs> the, the, travel, the travel in the steering is pretty well. <laughs> um, the gearbox is like driving a bus. You know, you, 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 there's a pretty long reach on that. Well, the other problem is in them. If they're anything, if it's anything like the ones I had, reverse, first, and third, there's about point one of a millimeter between <laughs> them all. <laughs> You might be enjoying the countryside. If you're not careful, you'll be part of it. Exactly. That's not to put people off the experience. <laughs> I think with the Land Rover, the experience that I've always said, if you've never driven one, A, set off in second. They will happily set off in second. Yes. If you insist on first, just let the just let the thing creep a little bit because you might discover you're going backwards when you weren't intending to. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is quite forgiving on, on that basis. To be fair, I mean, even uh, you know, even third, you can pull away in third and <laughs> on a slight hill as well. So yeah, they are they are very forgiving from that perspective. But yeah, I think the most alarming thing is the steering. Uh, <laughs> specifically, but yes. Oh yeah, you definitely you definitely steer a series three and its predecessors in a straight line. It's you don't sit there with one hand just gently on the two fingers on the spoke and cruise in a straight line. They don't do that. <laughs> Absolutely, you look like you look like something from a 1950s movie when someone's driving. You know, it's constantly moving the wheel. But uh, yeah, again, all part of the charm in my view. Now, just out of interest, with the plague that, uh, of course, nobody was uh, anticipating, how how is the business? How is business? Are they still hiring out? Are people still interested in coming and taking them? Yeah, it's been fairly quiet since you know we came out of, of lockdown. But um, you know, I think Northumberland, like most places, has experienced a, a, a sort of record August and September in terms of uh, visitors. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so you know, from that point of view, fine. Obviously. People are worried about, uh, you, know, you know, wiping the car down and all that sort of thing. But, of course, all those procedures are in, are in place. And, uh, I mean, plague aside, do you intend increasing your hire fleet? Well, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, could, you know, could grow out <laughs> as a separate entity. It really depends on on the, on the demand and what else uh, to add to it. You know, I, I often think, you know, we mentioned Caterham 7 earlier. I often think uh, a Caterham would, would be a nice sort of gap, you know, gap filler between the two, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, it, two can cruise okay um, and, and take a touring. You know, we, we tend only to get day hires, especially with the Morgan or even half days. Yeah. People don't tend to want to go away with it. Well, I think the um, problem is when you discover that the best thing you can take out on a Morgan three-wheeler, the biggest thing, is probably a toilet bag, and that's roughly about it. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And, you know, you don't 
most people don't really want to be buffeted that way for hours on end. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to take around the lanes for a day. But and you've got to point out to them, of course, this thing has no roof. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, foul weather gear is, uh, you know, is a necessity. Now, just out of interest, you don't mind me asking, how much does it cost to hire the Land Rover and hire the Morgan? Um, they're not too bad. They, they, it, it ranges, you know, obviously in times and what have you, and, and season. But it's it's somewhere between two and three hundred pounds a day. Yeah. So, so it's not, you know, it's not. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's cheap, but the biggest problem we have is insurance costs. Yeah. You know, we we have to have an insurance policy in place that that covers uh, uh, everybody, and that's not cheap. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's. Uh, and then, of course, you've got to keep the cars well serviced and maintained. So, you know, it was, it's not pure profit, but obviously I need to make something yeah. uh, to, to plough back into. Uh, so, yeah, it's, tr- it's just trying to pitch it right, I think, Yeah, uh, is, is, is the difficulty. And um, we still adjust prices on a regular basis just yeah. to try to get it right. Mind the only benefit of the service costs on the Land Rover, the only thing you need is a big screwdriver and a hammer as a rule for a Land Rover. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much touch wood. Anyway, yeah. But I did have a brake cylinder go um, just a couple of weeks ago and, you know, finding someone who was prepared to do it. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, when they eventually found someone and it was uh, done, it was only £100. I can't remember the last time I had it got a car back from the garage and the bill was only £100. <laughs> <laughs> That's including your VAT. Um, so, yeah, that was, do, you think you'll, do you think you'll be able to take your three-wheeler project forward? I know it's very dependent on cash, but do you think with what's going on, people will still be interested? Because more people now want to stay in England. No, that's that's right, and I think that's you know I think that's uh, where we are at the next stage. I think we need to get to a, a stage where we're comfortable with the car on the road make it look more aesthetically pleasing so that we can promote it more. Yeah. And then uh, it has to be a combination, I think, of trying to raise more money to to build a couple uh, and or, um, you know, get someone to encourage someone to place a, uh, an order, you know, a, a bespoke order. Yeah. Really, and build it, build it to their spec. I think that's where... Uh, so that yeah, the two the two parallel projects right now are just to finish the roadworthiness and to get it looking the part, um, so that at least people can have some idea about how the original, the you know their final model might look. So basically, Brad, if somebody wants to find out about the higher cars, our look into the Castle Three Three Wheeler project. Is there a website for it? I know you've got Instagram, but do you are there any other outlets? Yeah, it's just, we have a website. It's just Castle Three. That's that's the written word three, uh, all one word. dot uh, dot co. uk, and uh, there's there's information on there both about the hire and the the build project. So yeah, it's it's, it's all on there. Yeah, I try to keep as updated updated as possible. Right, but I, I truly wish you all the best. I mean, I would love at some point to come and actually have a look at, at the prototype just to see what it's like more than... I know you said it's not as really as it would be, but it would be nice to see one. <laughs> there are photos out there, but we, we, we haven't been actively promoting it, but you, you will see it on the Instagram feed. Um, also, um, so we have two Instagram accounts. One is Castle 3 and the other one is Castle 3 High. So if you look at the Castle 3 account, you'll see... Uh, Brad Hoy, thanks very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Oh, thank you, Mark.
Rarely beaten on price, never beaten on service. Whether it's cars, bikes or commercials, Hoddy Tires are the best in the business. And when it comes to tire expertise and advice to supplying the correct tires for your vehicle's specific requirements, nobody comes close to David Lakin and the Hoddy Tires team. So give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytires.co.uk. Thank you.